FOMO. My name's Patrick McGinnis, and I'll admit it, I have FOMO. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you do too. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. If you learn to channel your FOMO productively, you can make the most of every opportunity while keeping your sanity in the process. This is FOMO Sapiens After Hours, the snackable show about how you can make FOMO a force for good. Hey everybody, welcome back to FOMO Sapiens After Hours. It is May 17th, and today we're going to talk about the ecosystem of media that has been created around WeWork. I have listened to the podcast. I watched like three shows about WeWork, and it made me think, you know, there's a lot of FOMO in the WeWork story, obviously. I mean, investors throwing money, bad money after good or good money after bad, I don't know how you say it, or bad after bad at this company that imploded in a spectacular fashion. But what you may not know was that I was there for some of the earliest days of WeWork. And I saw some of the stuff that is talked about in these documentaries. And I remember just thinking like, what is going on over here? So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, tell you a little bit about my WeWork story as it were. And some of you may have your own WeWork stories as well. And just talk about the five things that I think went wrong with WeWork. I mean, listen, it's more than five. I could probably do many hours of the things that went wrong at WeWork. However, I want to talk about the five that I just sort of identified myself and I thought were the most interesting to talk about today with you. So let us talk WeWork. Now, let me tell you how I got started with WeWork. I remember it, picture it, New York City Meatpacking District, 2011. I am looking for somewhere to work. I'd been working out of my apartment after trying to start my own company. I was a little bit lost and I visited a friend at the first WeWork in Soho, my friend or none, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. I thought it was nice. And then about a month later, I was walking in the Meatpacking District and there was this building, one little west 12th street that had a sign that said WeWork. And I went in and I got a tour and they told me the deal. And I remember it was really inexpensive for what it was and also it was month to month. So I said, you know what? What is the downside? Let me maybe sign up an office. And I recruited a friend to be my office mate. So it was only $500 a month for each of us to have an office in this really cool area of New York City. And this is kind of a fun thing because it was on Little West 12th Street. And many years before I had met this guy, this guy named John, who now owns all of the five guys in New York City, among other things. And I remember he had done his MBA at INSEAD and he worked on Little West 12th Street and he wore jeans to work every day. And I was in the corporate world. And then fast forward to that moment in 2011 and I'm like, whoa, I wear jeans to the office every day and I work on Little West 12th Street. I made it. If only it were that simple, but still it was a it was a moment. I remember sort of appreciating that. So I joined in 2011 in the second ever building, loved the value prop, but over the years, it just got a little, I don't know, I just started to get driven crazy by the whole thing because it was very loud. And I used to say, at least in my location, it's not we work, it's we don't work because I thought a lot of people didn't work all day. There were people making spa appointments and playing with their dog and just, I don't know, it just really irritated me. And so I started to get a little cranky. And so I ended up moving at the end of 2018 in September to a place called Betaworks Studios down the street, actually, that had a podcasting studio. Thanks to my friends, Nick and Jack, who you may also know as the host of the Snacks Daily Podcast from Robinhood. They were recording there. They had just launched their show and they showed me the space. And I was like, this is super cool. So I started taping there and the rest, my friends, is history. 
Okay, so that's the story of WeWork. I still have warm feelings. I think, you know, it was a good business uh, for me as a user, but here are the things that I think went a little crazy and why things got so messy and terrible at the end where you had a company that was worth like, you know, I was gonna be upwards of 100 billion, basically being written down to less than 10 billion and just a lot of messy things with Adam Newman, the founder leaving and just, just not good. It just looked messy. Number one, that charismatic leader. Okay. Everybody talks about it. Adam Newman, so charismatic, he convinced his board and, and, and his shareholders to allow him to do all kinds of, you know, inappropriate things in terms of self-dealing. And, you know, uh, he sold the, the, the brand uh, of the company back to it for like $6 million. Like that's ridiculous. I don't know what people were thinking, but they were caught up in the magic that is Adam. Now I never met Adam. Okay. I met Miguel and we'll talk about that a bit later, but you know, he was kind of this, this figure in the company that everybody really looked up to. You would hear stories about him and the partying and all that sort of stuff. And the thing is that ah, when I think about WeWork, I never met Adam, but it didn't matter because the company was actually full of tons of charismatic leaders. It wasn't just Adam. He set a tone down that you had a lot of really cool people. Like you walked into a WeWork and there were like all these fun young people running around uh, that that ran the place. And it wasn't that they were doing some crazy you know job that required them to be on spreadsheets all day. It was kind of like just being nice to people. And so you created this culture around the people who worked there who were really nice and I, I liked them all. Uh, but I think that as a result, you started to overlook or look past some of the annoying things. Like when things are annoying, for example, noisy or you didn't get your mail, you sort of felt friendly with the people who worked there and you didn't want to be difficult. And so I think some of that stuff, you know, played out that you had this culture of charisma over substance a lot of times and that ended up blowing up in the end. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. Number two, obviously chasing growth way too quickly. These things opened up. I mean, they were everywhere. And these, I just couldn't understand it. Like in New York city, there were so many WeWorks. It was like, you'd have three on a road, you know, you'd have like, it'd be like within, you know, five blocks of each other, three WeWorks. Like, what is the point of this? How can that even make sense? And in fact, I remember hearing from friends in the real estate industry that said like, they're basically overpaying for the space that they're renting out and they're renting it out. And this is kind of like a house of cards, but nobody seemed to really care. And I think that that's kind of interesting that you had all these people who knew that it was a bad idea, but went along anyway. And that in its pursuit of growth, WeWork was able to sell them a story, get them involved. And until the music stopped, everything was fine. But of course, they were way overextended. And when things took a turn, it was game over, wasn't it? Number three, willful blindness. This is the one that irritates me. Okay. And it kind of reminds me of Theranos too. And this is the FOMO, the investors, the board members, like 
You people get paid a lot of money to invest money in companies. You are on the board of directors. You know what's going on. If you don't, you're not doing your job. And the willful blindness and accommodation by the investors and the board, it's just pathetic. It really is. Like you people who didn't do your job, you know, for me, your credibility is shot. That is just, it was so obvious. I mean, I was hearing stories about the fact that the business model didn't make sense, that there were problems inside of WeWork from friends who didn't even work there. I mean, everybody knew. If you didn't know, come on. And I just think that's really, really inexcusable. And for those of you, you funds who are investors or people who are on the board, like I hope your investors rake you over the coals because you know what that does when you are so, I guess, lack rigor in your work. It, it's bad for the rest of us who, who want to make deals or raise money or invest. Like you kind of just lower the bar. And so that willful blindness, that is clearly what happened here. There were clear sort of evidence. There was clear evidence of what was going on. In fact, when the bankers did the IPO documents, they basically had to disclose all kinds of things that you willfully ignored and it really hurt the company. So in the end, your unwillingness, I guess, to stand up to the founder or to be more rigorous in your investing hurt everybody, didn't it? Next, fictional business model. So the fictional business model, I remember hearing all these rumors like, well, WeWork has this amazing technology and basically it's like WeWork is a LinkedIn for the real world because we have this incredible internal social network. Let me tell you something. I remember the social network. Nobody used it. Nobody used it. There were a lot of awesome things about WeWork. The social network, not one of them. I bet people don't use it today. I don't know. I'd have to go check. But I can tell you something. If you're out of WeWork now, write in. Let me know. Do people use that network? Because they didn't. Uh, when I was there and it was, it was there was an app, like nobody, I mean, you know, you used it for certain things like booking a conference room, but it wasn't a living LinkedIn. That was all smoke and mirrors that I guess got people to invest a lot of money. Those investors I just raked over the coals that I dragged for you, but it was fictional. And number five, this is the one that really also, actually all, I guess, upset me, but this one too, it's just like selling out your employees. Like you, Adam Newman, you made a lot of money no matter what, okay? You're sitting at home right now, like counting your millions. And a lot of people who worked for you and worked really hard got nothing. And that's not good. It's very bad to do those kinds of things. It's just wrong. Startups are about bringing together teams and then sharing in the rewards. And that didn't happen for a lot of people. So Adam, somebody should send this to you. If you know Adam, send it. I just let want to let you know, Adam, that I, I'm disappointed in you. Okay? Don't do that again. In fact, you should return the money or at least share it with your former colleagues. Okay. And now to close out, I'll I promised a little story about Miguel. So I met Miguel McKelvey, who is a very nice person, I'm sure, at an event that a friend of mine invited me to with the president of Argentina, Mauricio Macri at the time. I was like starstruck because I loved him. Poor Mauricio, he had a rough time too, did not get reelected. Yikes. But I met Miguel and I told him that I had this book coming out about the 10% entrepreneur. And he said, oh, it sounds amazing. Send me four copies and let's get together. And he gave me his assistant's info. And so I wrote his assistant. We set up a meeting and it got canceled like four times and it eventually never happened. And I just felt bad about that. And so I would say one more thing, which is, Miguel, when you set up a meeting with somebody, you should meet with them. All right. <laughs> I feel like I just exercised all my demons. So, uh, <laughs> so with that... I will uh, end this episode. Remember the five things, charismatic leaders, chasing growth too quickly and too much, willful blindness, a fictional business model, and selling out your employees. Don't do this in your own companies. Make sure, because you know what? Things can end really badly. 
I feel like my therapy session is over. I hope it was good for you too. I'll see you on Thursday. FOMO. Want more of FOMO Sapiens and After Hours? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis.